church. I said, you pray for a church that they talk about Jesus all the time. I said, you, you, when you pray and you find a church, you find a church where the pastor teaches the word of God, you're going to be challenged, not just make you feel good. And you find a church where they don't just read a couple poems and sing a special song and give you five minutes worth of politics and they say, go home. And then you're able to tell your friends, I went to church this week. I said, you find, you find a church where if God wants to, he can change the order of the service to do something to change people's lives how he wants to. Amen. That's the kind of church I want to be in. I, I, was, I was raised as a Christian when I came to the Lord at 28 and a half years old. I, I, I went to churches until I found my church where the Holy Spirit did something and people led him. Where people's lives were changed. Where there were testimonies that somebody was messed up and God fixed them. Amen. That's what we want. And you know, for this morning, to think about what just happened. If your eyes were open to see in the spiritual realm, there's demons. And there's the Holy Spirit. And there's angels. And people have authority over demons. And when we open the door for the Holy Spirit to move, he changes lives. And that's what we want to do. But I'll tell you, the main thing is, we come into church, we'll be talking some things about the corporate anointing in the sermon. But we come into church, we ought to be changed. Amen. If we're good, we ought to leave better. If we're messed up, we ought to leave fixed. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. Somebody shout for the Lord again. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking again about about tithes, but you know, I want to say something. I'm going to, I'm going to start off a little different what you got in your outline. The Lord talked to me last night a couple different times. So I wrote down something else to start off with. But the thing is, in a church like this, we're not a religious church that tells people we've got to have your money or God's house is going to go broke. We teach the Bible in a way that helps you do things God's way so you can be blessed. You know, there's a lot of churches that won't teach that the only way to heaven is through the blood of Jesus. That Jesus died for your sins, raised from the dead. And so the Bible says in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man. In the, the ways of death. And so some churches, some churches teach you that, well, if you're a good person and, you know, you're just doing okay. God understands your sin. He knows where you are. Just enjoy your life. But if you say this one prayer one time, then go back to living how you used to. That's okay. You said the prayer. Well, God teaches there's only one way to get to heaven. You receive Jesus. And then you live for Jesus. Now, if you do wrong, you ask for forgiveness, and you do the best with God's help to change around. And the Bible teaches about how you treat people. You know, you don't treat people good if they treat you good. Jesus said, what thing have you? said, even the sinners do good if somebody does them good. But we treat people right with the love of God. And then Jesus also said, if you don't forgive, then God can't forgive you. And so we teach those kind of things in this church here. That we don't just do things what seems right. We do things God's way. We want to tweak you according to the Word of God and get you better. And so when it comes to tithes, there's more to tithing than just writing out a check for 10% of your money or doing something. We're going to look at some, how God wants you to present the tithe to Him His way. And uh, I, I was thinking recently when I was having a one-on-one session, somebody helping to look at their life and get fine-tuned things. That was an example that uh, I'd never used before, but it came to me. And I think about this morning, so I want to, want to help you with it. You know, we have people here that have been in the Marines. We have people who have been in the Army and the military. And so my dad wasn't a gun person. I've never been a gun person. Don't know anything much about guns at all except a squirt gun or something. You know, I don't know anything about guns. But my, my pastor, Dr. Barclay, who comes here every year, who we go to see all the time in San Diego, my pastor was a Marine sniper in Vietnam. He killed bad guys. <laughs> and then 
After he came back from Vietnam, he taught at sniper school down in San Diego, other people that were snipers. After years, he taught snipers how to be better snipers. And so I said that to say this. He gives examples sometimes. And this is what I want to share with you. As a master sniper, if that's what he was, he looked at other master snipers and he would study what they were doing. And they said, I'm just not hitting it like I used to. What's going on? He said, well, you shoot and I will watch because somebody else watching from a different angles is going to see something you're not seeing, although you've done it right before. So he would watch them. He'd say, right before you shoot, said, you're moving your arm. They said, I didn't catch that. He said, yeah, I've watched you every time. He said, you, when you do it, throws you off that fraction of an inch, and that's why you're missing your target. He said, right before you shoot, you're doing this. And you're going to have to quit doing that. If you're going to, if you're going to hit the bullseye of the target you want to hit, you have to quit doing that. And so as a pastor, I'm kind of like a master sniper trainer, that I can see things through the Word of God by the Holy Spirit when I teach a congregation that you're not seeing. You're thinking, how come my prayers aren't working like they used to? How come I don't have that joy I used to have? How come I'm not the bold one I used to be? Or whatever is your life that's not working like it used to. Or we're teaching things all the time about tithers' rights and benefits and things like that. Thinking, man, it's just not working for me. How come things aren't doing what they ought to be doing? Or whatever is your life. Well, see, that's what we do. We want to fine-tune you. We want to tweak you. Like a mechanic tuning up an engine. Man, sometimes you got a little miss somewhere. You don't know what it is. Well, the mechanic goes and looks at it, and sometimes just something real simple. Man, you got that spark plug wire loose. <laughs> and it goes to running. Amen? And so that's what we want to do. We're going to teach you some things from the Word of God about tithing that I think even if you've been a tither for a long time, it's going to help you fine-tune what you're doing to get more mileage out of your tithe. I want, I want to look this morning at Matthew chapter 6 for a minute before we get to our outline. But go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. The, Hallelujah. And I'm going to show you a couple of books out of the bookstore. I showed them last week, but I want to show them again because we have resources to help you get better at what you're doing. This is called The Real Truth About Tithing, a book by Dr. Barclay, that just has a good basic tithing teaching in it that will help you, especially if you've ever been religiously brainwashed, instead of New Testament taught, it'll help you. And then this was by Brother Hagel, Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. There's a whole lot more in the Bible than just being legalistic about what you do. It's doing it with the right heart and the right way. And you know, you think, you think about Cain and Abel all the way back in the book of Genesis. They wanted to offer offerings to God. God had one way, and then uh, Cain had another way. And God said, said, your way is death. You can't do it that way. So we've got to do it God's way. But uh, as I go to read this, I want to say this and share why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. The Lord gave this to me in the wee hours of the night. I didn't want to wake up, so I woke up and wrote it down quickly. And somebody needs to hear this. Some people, because of wrong thinking and twisted understanding of certain scriptures, have a hard time writing their name on a tithe and offering envelope and bringing it to the altar. That's why the Lord's had me teach what the Bible has to say and how to biblically present your tithes and offerings to Jesus. As of, so before I get to this outline... I, I want to share what he gave me last night for those of you that have a hard time wondering, why do we take this to the altar? Why do we write our names on envelopes? Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 2, Jesus said this, Take heed that you do not your alms before men. I want you to notice this, to be seen of them. To be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. That's talking about the motive of your heart. 
in anything in Christianity we do, if our motive is for people to see us and think us we're some great thing, then God says you have no reward. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do. Everybody, everybody heard the word hypocrite? That's a religious phony. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So when it comes to our money in the kingdom of God, if people do things with their money for people to say what a great person they are, how much they give, and that kind of thing, then it says that's the reward. They meant say, hey, man, there's something else. But God's got better ways for us. And so it's the motive of the heart in our giving. Now, I want you to look at verse 5, because Jesus continues to talk about motive in different parts of our Christian walk here. Verse 5, it says, and when thou prayest, how many, how many here pray? Well, we've got about a 33% praying congregation. I bet you if we could get that up to 50%, we'd have some power in here. Hey, man, I know you all pray. But when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. Talk about hypocrites again. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. That they may be seen of men. And so he's saying, if one of the reasons and the motive of your heart for praying is because, oh, what an awesome prayer they are. Oh, those people know how to touch God. Oh, there's some kind of prayers. And that's your motive. You suppress people if you're praying. He says, uh, verily I said to you, they have their reward. So, you know, if your whole thing, and anything you do for Jesus, is that people think you're, oh, they're really, oh, they're so spiritual, then you're doing it for the wrong motive, and you're not going to be blessed. And I want you to look also at verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. Talk about hypocrites again, uh, of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. What everybody know? Hey, I'm fasted. I'm fasted today. Oh, I'm fasted. I can't do that because I'm fasted. Verily I said to you, they have their reward. And so I say, when you're fasted, it's not wrong for people to know you are, but you don't play the martyr with them. You don't, you don't do that. And so I want to say this. Uh, even fasting has no reward for your motive is to brag to others. And so the Bible teaches these three things I looked at. The Bible teaches about private giving, praying, and fasting, but also it teaches about public giving, praying, and fasting. Sometimes there's a fast proclaimed for a whole nation. Sometimes a whole city fast. And so there's different times you do different things, but always judge your motive. You always judge your motive. Everything we do... We want to please and obey Jesus. And so we're going to be teaching about, from the Bible, about bringing your tithe to the altar and about putting your name on envelopes. We're going to be teaching about that. But I want to show you something else he gave me last night that I never saw before, which is really, really crucial, I think, for modern times. So Christians understand, well, pastor, why are you teaching these things? Because I'm a pastor with God's heart that wants people to get maximum return, to get maximum blessing. I want people to bless the most blessed they can be. And I'll tell you what, the only one that tries to talk Christians out of tithing or tithing right is the devil. The only one that tries to steal the joy of fasting, of praying, of tithing giving is the devil. Everything we do, there should be joy in it. There's a time things are private and there's a time things are public. There's a time things are private and there's time things are corporate. And the Bible teaches both. Amen. So look at Hebrews chapter 7. 
Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. And I never tied this together till the Holy Ghost told me last night to look at this to help people that have a problem wonder why we do what we do, how we do it. Hebrews 7, verse 8. Say, and here men that die receive tithes. Let's talk about preachers. Talk about pastors. We receive your tithe for Jesus, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. And so on earth, God has commanded pastors to receive tithes of the people. God did that. It's a spiritual thing, but it's a natural thing. You don't pay church bills with faith. You pay church bills with money. God doesn't use money in heaven, but it takes money on earth to get people to heaven. And so he says, we receive the tithes, but now I want to look at the most important thing. Look at chapter 13, verse 17. And when the Lord told me this last night, I thought, wow, wow, wow. I never saw that before. But people have a problem with putting their name on an envelope and what they're putting in. Then they just don't know what the Bible has to say. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this. Obey them that have the rule over you. That means the spiritual guide, the leadership. Pastors are not dictators. We don't control your lives. I don't want to go in your house and see what you eat, what you do, what you watch. That's none of my business. That's between you and God. But I'm a spiritual guide to guide you into the blessings of God. That's what this rule means. The ones that have the the spiritual leadership over you. Obey them that have that and submit yourselves. Now look at this. For they watch for your souls, and they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so I want to say this. Listen to what I'm saying now. I didn't call me to watch out for your spiritual life. This morning, I wanted to take my shower and sing to Jesus like I always did. He kept showing me another preacher. I've only met a couple times, lives on the other side of the country. I kept seeing this preacher all morning long. And I knew, man, that guy's in trouble. I've got to pray for him. I'm down in Nicaragua. And sometimes I see some of your faces. And I've got to do some praying for you because I know you're in trouble. Some things happen. And sometimes when I see things happening that I know things going on, that I'm giving an account for you. And so listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you, how God tied those two verses together. Number one, Hebrews 7, 8, he said, pastors are receive your tithe. Did the Bible say that? said, we've received your tithe. And then 1370 says, we give an account for you. Okay, the Bible teaches in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, and we subtitle that down our church, we call it tithers' rights. Tithers have rights that non-tithers don't have. God said, if you tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. If you tithe, and bring your, said, bring your tithe into my storehouse, says, if you tithe, and bring your tithe into my storehouse, well, the pastor's in the storehouse to receive it. Said, if you tie the bring it in, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Said, he'll not steal from you. People see you and call you blessed. And so here's what I see in Hebrews 13, 7. I never, ever saw this before until the Lord told me last night about it. When I'm praying, i got two different ways I pray for everybody in my church. Number one, when I'm praying, if I saw in their tithing records that they're tithers, I see if they're tithers, like that, then it makes it real easy to pray. I say, Father, I'm standing in the gap for I, Lee, and Walter. I just want to thank you, I, Lee, and Walter. Lord, they're faithful to you. They're faithful with their tithe. The windows have her open. And, Lord, I'm just saying right now in the name of Jesus, that if ours rebuke because their tithers given an account, 
But if somebody else has been a church member for 20 years, and I see their tithe the record at the end of the year, they've got a job, makes all kinds of big bucks. At the end of the year, they gave $33. I say, Lord, that I bring so-and-so before you right now. I've given an account for them. Lord, I can't do anything about it. I teach on tithing. I teach them the benefits of tithing. They're not. So, Lord, I'm standing in the gap right now. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus, Lord. Lord, I asked you for mercy. Lord, I asked you for mercy. Lord, give them a time to get a hold of your word. Give them a time to let this sink in and get it, Lord. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus for mercy on them right now to get it, Lord. Give them more time. Give them more time, Lord. And then I think about the example Jesus gave about a tree. He said there was a tree wasn't bearing any fruit. And it's going to cut it down. And the, and the vineyard owner, the guy that run the orchard, he said, let's just fertilize this one more year. Let's watch this one more year. Give it time. And if it don't bear fruit, then cut it down. And so when I'm praying for people, that's why I give an account for your souls. When I'm praying for you, it makes it so easy. If I've, And I don't look at the envelopes. I don't look at all that stuff there. But we keep tithing records. I'm able to go through things, look at things, and see what's going on. And so that makes it so easy when I know because I know what people are doing. Because listen to this. I want to say this again. Somebody said, well, I don't think it's anybody's business. Well, tell Jesus then. He said, men that die receive tithes. You tell Jesus then. Jesus, I don't want my pastor to see my tithe. You tell him that. Don't tell me. Jesus said, we receive them. And so if we receive them, how are we not going to see them? And then we're going to give an account. And once again, this is not a man thing. It's a God thing. But it's not for our benefit, he says, that it may be profitable for you that we don't have to give an account with grief. And so it's very sorrowful. We have to talk to the Lord, stand in the gap for somebody yeah, we say, Lord, they've been, they've been a Christian for a long, long time. I know that, but they just don't have a handle on it yet. But Jesus, I want to thank you. They're going to get it. Can you see what I'm saying? And so that's why we're teaching what we're teaching. I'm fine-tuning you to be able to see how things work. And so if you have a problem with envelopes and things like that, take it up with God. But, you know, if you just throw a bunch of cash in there, that's okay. But then your pastor doesn't know you're tithing. And why does your pastor need to know you're tithing? Because Jesus said your pastor gives an account. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. <laughs> Amen. So somebody give the Lord a hand again, then we'll get to the Word. And, uh, let's see. Cletus, uh, you got those bad days back there. I think we need some on the toes. <laughs> Does anybody need an outline? If you need an outline, hold up your hand. Amen. Okay, got one coming up here. <clears throat> All right, so we're talking about how to scripturally present your tithe to Jesus. And so uh, our financial faith confession, we just read that a while ago, so I'm not going to read it again. But we do this financial faith confession nearly every service, all the time. And we do that because that's loaded with a lot of Bible principles and promises that we put in modern-day talk to help you understand what they are. And, you know, the... uh, I'm not going to say strange thing, but the amazing thing is a lot of people give those testimonies of things coming in the mail, of bills paid off, of blessings and increase, of royalties, and all those different things happen like that. But, you know, Jesus said in Mark 11, 23, we'll have whatsoever we saith. That's in line with the Word of God. So those things really do happen. But I want you to look at Hebrews 11:6. Amen. You're already there. But as a pastor called of God to help people, I'm going to teach you the Bible. And I'm going to look at verses over and over and over and over again. 
And, you know, when you stop to think about a Bible teacher, how many here ever went to school? Yeah, a lot of people here went to school. That's pretty good. They're not all ignorant. <laughs> That's really good. Did anybody, did anybody, back when I went to school, they didn't teach math in kindergarten. They just taught playing with clay and finger painting and picking burgers, you know, stuff like that. But today, I know they teach the young kids at a very early age a lot of things. How many here ever learned uh, some mathematical things in the lower grades? You learned them. How many ever learned it in the second grade? Then the same things in the third grade and the fourth grade and the fifth grade. And the teachers kept teaching the same things over and over and over and over again. And then they'd add things to it. You know, you get, you get a, learn something, you get a little more. And then by the time you get to high school, you still have to know what two plus two is. Do what you're going to do in high school. You have to know what four times four is. And all the different math things you do, that's called teaching. It's called repetition of the truth. Repetition of principles, of basics. And so as a pastor, I'm going to teach, keep on teaching the same things over and over and over and over again. And add some things to it sometimes. And, you know, when you stop to think about it on a Sunday morning, or really any sort of, especially a Sunday morning, we've probably got people in here today that maybe have never heard these verses one time I'm going to look at. We may, may have some people that have heard them, but now you're in a different place in life than what you were last time you heard them, so now this time you're going to get it. And then some people that are hitting the bullseye every time, you're really going to hit it more times now because of what you're hearing. And so Hebrews chapter 11, it's setting ourselves up for today. Verse 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Talk about God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want to say that again. Not only do you believe in God, believe that he's a good God. He's a rewarder of them until you seek him. And we, we might have somebody here today that used to go to the church of the frozen chosen. Amen. Well, we're not that kind of church. We've got our heaters fixed. <laughs> but, but the thing is, there may be people that might have went to Grandma's church and Grandma won the word of faith lady or a word lady and they may have taught that God's going to hurt you to teach you. Well, our Bible doesn't teach that. Our Bible says God's a rewarder of those that live for him. He's a rewarder of those that seek him. He's a rewarder of those. And so it's important to look at verses like this before we look at other verses because we've got to all be looking through the same lens. And the lens I see my Bible through says that God's a good God. And bad things do happen to people, but John 10.10 10 says it's not God's a thief. Come to steal, kill, and destroy and the Bible also does teach, though, that God's a God of judgment, too. There comes a point in time, he says, if you don't judge yourself, I'll have to. And so God, God, God really gives us a whole lot of rope to go a long ways before that day ever has to come. And so when you sit in a church like this, we'll teach you enough how to get it right and enough how to be able to find out about how you get these rewards and these blessings in your life. That is, you have to go a long ways before you get in trouble like that if you come to a church like this regularly. Amen? But the main thing I'm, I'm saying is that God says that faith pleases him, and he rewards faith. Now look at Romans 10:17. And, you know, somebody thinking, well, I know that. But you know what? The one sitting next to you may be on their last leg. They don't know it. You know, there may be one sitting, sitting back there that uh, 
never heard anything like this before at all. Think, wow, that's what I need to know. That's how this thing really works. I've been praying wrong. I've been doing wrong. Romans 10, verse 17 says this. So then faith cometh by praying. No, praying's right. You don't get faith by praying, though. So then faith cometh by worship. No, we worship God, but faith doesn't come by worship. So then faith cometh by testimonies. No, testimonies are right. Testimonies encourage you, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by sad stories. <laughs> no, hearing by what? The Word of God. And so what am I doing? I'm telling you this. The things I'm going to be teaching out of the Bible are Bible things about how to present your tithe that will give you faith to do it God's way. And, you know, I know when I first got saved, I forgot about this till the other day. I was telling Mrs. Pastor or somebody about it. First church I went to was a blessed Pentecostal church. Pentecostals are blessed people, but the one I went to didn't teach the Bible. They had some Holy Ghost, but they had some flakes. And a lot more flaky than Holy Ghost. And they told me that faith cometh by trials. And I was a baby Christian. I just got saved. I came from Centerville. I came from Centerville. That's where sinners live. I wasn't taught the Bible. I was taught how to sin. And so when I got born again at 28 and a half years old, I was so hungry for God I couldn't stand it. Man, I'll tell you what, every time the doors was open, I was the first one in. They had about five services a week, and I was there every time. I said, my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. I wanted everything. I went to everything they had. But they didn't teach the Bible. They told me, faith cometh by trials. They said, oh, the more trials you have, the greater faith you had. So you know how I prayed? Lord, pour it on me. I'll tell you what, the most horrible things happened to me the first few months of my Christian life. I could have wrote a country music song. Man, if I had a dog, it would have died. If I had a pickup truck, it would have fell apart and somebody stole it. I mean, anything could have happened, it happened. And then, praise God, I was listening to the radio one morning and my semi driving down the road. And I heard a man say, Brother Hagen, teaching faith. And I heard Brother Hagen teaching faith. I thought, wow, what's this guy saying? And this is one of the first verses I heard him quote, faith cometh by hearing. I thought, wow, I never heard that before. I thought, I thought faith cometh by crying and trials. I said, I've been crying. I've been having plenty of trials. I listened here for a couple of weeks, and I realized, man, I've got to find another church. And so I got up underneath that religious teaching. And I got under the Word of God. I started finding out that if I read my Bible... And I, I prayed for a church that had a pastor like Brother Hagin teaching the Word, and God led me right to one. I said out of the Word of God, I got healed, I got delivered, I got blessed, my life got changed. Why did my life get changed? Because I heareth, and I heard the Word of God being taught. The more the Word got taught, the more faith I got. The more faith I got, the more victory I got. Amen? And so that's why I looked at this verse again, because if you think... That if you just do a lot of worship and your faith's going to increase, you're wrong. Worship will bring you into the presence of God in a mighty strong way. That's a good thing. Worship will set your heart up for receiving the planting of the Word of God in your heart to water things, cause things to happen. And somebody gives you good testimony, stuff like that, what God did, praise God those testimonies encourage us. If you're not a Sunday night person at this church, you've missed a third of what goes on in this church. Sunday night service is like no other service in this whole church. Sunday nights, 
At 6 o'clock, we have some praise and worship. Then we have testimonies. Every Sunday night, unless God does something different that Sunday night, you ought to hear some of these testimonies Sunday night. And you know what I've noticed? How the Spirit of God moves? We'll have one Sunday night where it seems like all the testimonies of somebody got healed. And then all of a sudden we got a Sunday night, every testimony is about financial blessing. Or then a Sunday night is about family victories. Things happen in the families. But those don't happen here on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. That's only Sunday nights. So if you're missing Sunday nights, you're missing a big blessing to hear what God's doing in everyday people's lives. People, you know, it is awesome. But guess what? Faith doesn't come by testimonies. We get done with testimonies. We teach the Word of God because that's where the faith comes. Testimonies encourage because if you hear a good testimony, then you think, wow, God did it for Mike. He'll do it for me. Amen. Mike praying for a wife. Look what he got. Didn't do too bad, did he? Amen. He like me. I prayed for one. I, I did pretty good myself. But faith, when you learn how to pray with Bible faith, then God honors that and blesses you. So anyway, as, as a pastor, I'm teaching from the Bible about tithing. It's a vital part of your Christian faith. And it helps carry out the Great Commission. You know that poor people don't go to missions nations. Poor people don't feed the poor. But we teach the poor how not to be poor anymore. We teach people how to do things. And so anyway, uh, tithing is a part of that to cause the church to be able to do what it can to carry out the Great Commission. God's the one that set up his financial system to do things God's way like everything else. You know, God had a financial system before banks were even invented. Before pension plans were, God was. Before health care was debated, God had it. Everything there is, God's done it better, and then people try to imitate it, then they blow it because they get greedy and selfish. But God's the one that does things. And so as pastors, we want to teach you how to give the tithes and offerings His way and how to, how to get out of the curse and walk in the blessing. Amen. And so, and so last week we looked at Old Testament that uh, Mrs. Pastor shared the verse today, Leviticus 27:30. A tithe is always 10%. And I said last week that if you're one of these people that says, well, I tithe 30%, then you're deceived. You don't tithe 30%. Tithe is 10%. Then you might get 20% of your income above that to offerings, but you're not tithing 30%. It's impossible. Tithe means tenth. And so, see, we need to learn Bible lingo. We need to learn what the Bible has says, talk Bible talk. And so, well... Well, well, well. My, my tithe is five percent. No, you're a God robber, robber, and you're giving half of your tithe to God, and you're keeping half of His tithe. Well, I do what I can. The Bible doesn't say that. It says bring the tithe into the storehouse, Amen, and you'll be blessed. Anyway, we looked at a lot of things last week. Uh, that's online now, is it, Pastor Dave? It's already on the internet, so you can hear that on the internet. And so, uh, how does Scripture present your tithe to Jesus? Look at Malachi chapter three, verse ten. You know, I, I like that example Dr. Barclay gives of helping you to hit the bullseye. Helping you hit the bullseye. And, you know, uh, just because you're a tither, that doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfect in your life either. But I'll tell you one thing it does do. It does give you tithers' rights so you've got a co- contract to stand on. Where you can tell the Lord, for what Malachi 3, these verses say, that, Lord, I want to thank you. I've been faithful to do what you said and I want to thank you, Lord. The devil can't steal from me because your word says, et cetera, et cetera. And you always remember this, that not only in our life is the Holy Spirit, the angels of God operating, but this whole world is full of darkness. There's demon spirits everywhere, and we've got to fight the good fight of faith every day. 
We've got we to do our best to love people every day, to forgive people every day. And, you know, whatever in life we're here and taught, there's something we've got to remember, too. Jesus taught a great parable in Mark chapter 4. He said, Satan cometh immediately to steal the word sown. And so we've got to have our guard up. And when you hear something, you get all excited about it. And maybe you've been a person there, been a tie the brother. Oh, glory to God. Jesus, I promise you I saw it in the Bible today. I'm going to tithe next week. Well, if Satan comes and tries to knock you for a loop, you keep your word to God. You do what you told God you was going to do based upon faith in the word and not faith in circumstances. Then you watch what God does. When the devil tries to come in like a flood, then the Lord's going to come in like a lion. He's going to destroy that thing out of your life. But the thing is, you've got to keep your word to God, and then God will take care of that devour. And then you're going to see God show up big time and say, wow, this really works. Duh. <laughs> Amen. Malachi chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 10, says this. Bring ye all of the tithes into the storehouse. Now, there's a big passage here we look at all the time, but we're, we're focused on this part. And so the storehouse is your local church. The storehouse is your local church, not churches. Your local church. It's okay to visit churches sometimes, but as a believer, as a born-again believer, you need to have a pastor and a church family that you call your home church. You need to have a place that's your home church. I remember one time, I don't know who this goofy lady was. I've met so many of them. I've met a lot of goofy women over the years. And men too, but more, more goofy women it seems. But I guess it's called more women want to try to find a church and stuff. I remember this goofy lady used to show up here about once every month. So, oh, I just want to bless all the churches. I come to this one and I go, I do this and just dingbat. And I thought, lady, no wonder you're so dingy. You're tossed about with every wind of doctor. Ephesians chapter 4 says that if you go out to all these teachers with engineers, every wind of doctor. I just want to bless them all. And I couldn't say it, but I thought, I hope you don't bless me anymore. Just go bless them all. You're not a blessing to me, man. You're confused. You're messed up. Come in want to debate everything you preach after the sermon because they heard somebody else say it this way last week. Somebody out this way this week. And they're going to come here and try to tell me why I'm wrong when I'm teaching the Bible. I thought, man, go find one of those other people who are listening to it. Argue with them. I don't want to argue. I want to help people. I'm not here to argue. Amen. And so you need to have your own church and your own pastor. And so it says here, when you bring ye... That means you physically attend church services. You can't bring ye unless you show up. If it's in your hand, your tithe, guess what? Your body got to follow it. <laughs> You're going to bring ye your tithe in. And so I wrote this down. Several things happen when you bring ye or when you show up consistently with your tithe. Number one, you enter into the corporate anointing. You enter into the corporate anointing. And in the corporate anointing, I don't know how many people come up here and got prayer today about that fear thing. But if you sent ye and you didn't bring ye, then you wouldn't have got ye. Amen. You know, what happens in the corporate anointing, there's people in here. And then God moves on the pastor or somebody with a word of knowledge like that was a word of knowledge. God knew something and wanted to help some people. And then the anointed God was here to take care of some demon spirits. But if you didn't bring ye, you wouldn't have been here. And so in the corporate anointing, there's things that happen that won't happen any other way. The corporate, what's the corporate anointing? That means when a bunch of believers come together, I got part of the Holy Spirit, you've got part of the Holy Spirit, 
we come to, together, that anointing increases. I don't know, man, a million fold, I guess. I don't know. That anointing increases, and God does things. And you know what I've said so many times? I know that I don't get offended if you're sitting in a service, I'm teaching something like this, which is an awesome message, and all of a sudden, God in this morning starts showing you something you need an answer to, and you don't hear another word I say, you're right. You got your notebook there, you're all of a sudden you saw the answer to something else. And then I'll be talking to you later on, you say, oh, Pastor, that was awesome what you taught last week. And I say, man, I've taught a lot of times since last week. What is, what is it you talking about? You tell me something, I thought, I've never heard that before. That's pretty good. I'm going to write that down. Well, the corporate anointing, the Holy Spirit's going to show you things. The things are going to happen. And so I want to say it again. That's why he said, bring ye into your storehouse. Because you bring it in, you show up. And when you show up, God's going to do what only God could do in that atmosphere. Something's going to change in your life. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so also, you get fed the Word of God right from your shepherd's mouth. And I don't know about you. I know about me. I got a pastor's name, Dr. Mark T. Barclay. He's my pastor, and I feel his materials. I listen to his CDs. I hear him online sometimes, but it's nothing like when I'm sitting there and he's up here preaching. I'm back there. Man, I tell you, I get so much more. We're just coming straight from the shepherd's mouth. I get so much more. And so I'm talking about why do we bring ye the tithe in? You're going to get a lot more this morning while I'm here. Did you hear me on CD? You're thinking, boy, that was so good. I can't wait to hear that CD. Then you listen to it and think, that's pretty good, but it's not the same. Amen. And so that, this is some of the reasons to bring the tithe in. And then also, you get to fellowship with believers of like precious faith. Of like precious faith. You know, I love the whole body of Christ. I love Baptists. I love Pentecostals. I wouldn't put down on Pentecostals. One church I went to, they didn't teach the Word of God, and they had Holy Ghost, but they had a lot of error, too, because they didn't teach the Word of God. They taught little nuggets of it, but not a lot of it. And so I love, I love Catholics. I love anybody that says they belong to Jesus Christ. I love them, but the Bible teaches, he sets each member in the body as it pleases him. And so I know that if I fellowship with somebody that goes to my church that listens to the same teaching I do, it's a whole lot easier to talk about spiritual things than somebody goes to another church where they don't teach those things. And so when you come to church, you're able to fellowship with people like precious faith. You know, there's, there's, some, there's some people you fellowship with. If you told them, well, I'll tell you what, my pastor got a message of tongues today. His wife interpreted. And here's what God said. Well, they're going to shut you down just like that. They're going to put a big guard up and say, that's of the devil. That's not right. Those things passed away. They're not right. You can't do that. Or somebody got a miracle in my church. They're going to they're, they're going to say, "How do you know that?" You ever been in those religious spirits? You tell them somebody got healed, got a miracle. Well, they probably really didn't have cancer. It probably wasn't cancer. That's why God gave us doctors and medicine. You ever fellowship anybody like that in your job? You, play your you, you can't tell them that God healed somebody. You can't tell them somebody spoke in tongues. Somebody got a word of knowledge. Well, that's why we have the great denominational universities to get knowledge. That's not the word of knowledge. Uh, uh, I'm having too much fun. I'll bring you into my party. No, you get to fellowship with people that you can share things with. 
And you don't have to have your guard up. You can fellowship and tell what God does. And, and they're not going to think you're nuts because God fixed your car. I'll tell you what, if you don't think God heals cars, you're in the wrong church. He's healed mine too many times. Tell me different. <laughs> Somebody said, where's the back door? Well, you're not going to have car healing faith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You get to be used by God in what he's gifted called you to do. That is such a blessing to be able. See, in a church like ours, we're not threatened or intimidated. If somebody feels they're called to be a preacher or a Bible teacher, we'll raise you up and train you. Even got a Bible school in the church. We'll train you and raise you up to be what God called you to be. Somebody just feels called that all they want to do, it's, all you want, it's not all you want to do, is to be an usher. That's a great calling. Think, Pastor, don't ever call me to come up there and say anything. Just let me usher. Well, that's your calling in your church. When you show up, you can do what God gifted and called you to do. Whatever it is God put your heart to do, that's a very good reason to have a church that loves you, to have people that you flow with, because whatever you're called to do, if it's working with children, working with young people, singing on a praise team, whatever it is, that's wonderful for God to use you. And that's a good reason to come to church, amen, to be a part of the church. We're looking at a lot of the reasons why you want to bring ye. And so then also you leave blessed and refreshed and ready to conquer the world. I want to say that again. You leave blessed, refreshed, ready to conquer the world. And I don't know about you, but I know about me. I can't tell you how many times I felt like I was conquered. I come into a church service, and by the time praise and worship is over with, I'm thinking, man, let me at him, let me at him, coach, put me in. I want to go. I want to fight this thing, man, let me in. And then, and then word comes, prayer comes, worship comes. Things happen. I'm ready to go back out there again. I'm not dragging my tail between my legs, man. I tell you, I got my hands up, my hands up. I'm out there like that. Somebody crosses my path. I say, Lord, I want to share something. I want to testify something. I want to tell them what God's doing. Amen? And so that's why you come to church. You come to church to get what God has for you so you can go out and do what he called you to do. And so why do we bring our tithe to the altar and pray over it before we put it in the offering container? And so we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 26. Amen. It's really good. And I'm going to make a statement to you I made last week. It's, it's in your last week's notes, but I'm going to say it again because it's so good. And you need to understand this. The Old Testament is in the New Testament contained. And the New Testament is the Old Testament explained. So there's a lot of New Testament things we don't understand, but they're in there. We go to the Old Testament then and read principles and concepts explained through stories of the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is contained in the New Testament, but then it's explained in the Old Testament. And so tithing is Old Testament and New Testament. We've looked at Hebrews already about tithing in the New Testament. Last week we looked in Matthew and in Hebrews about tithing, so that's New Testament, but you have to go to the Old Testament to get it, to understand what it is we're doing. Of course, Malachi 3 does that, but then Deuteronomy 26 tells us how to present our tithes. To the Lord. So we're going to, it's going to be explained here. And so verse 1 and verse 2 says, And it shall be when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, and possesses it, and dwellest therein, that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, that be your tithe, the 10% off your gross, of your gross income, which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall put it in a basket, we put it in an envelope. 
We put it in the basket, and then we bring it up and shall go to the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. Now, I want to explain that getting out of the King James talk. The land God has given us as believers is the kingdom of God through the new birth here on earth. In the kingdom of God, as spelled out in the New Testament, God has love, joy, peace, abundance, deliverance, victory, restoration. Everything you need is in the kingdom of God. That's our land. We have the land of the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual thing, but the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. God has given this to us in this land, and so eternal salvation, victory over Satan and demons, victory over sickness, disease, poverty, premature death. We have the right to love, to joy, to peace, all the benefits of heaven while on earth. Jesus said the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's the will of God. The kingdom of God is a spiritual manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is on earth in us as believers. And God wants us to live out what's on the inside of us. It's the kingdom of God. And so we put our tithe in an envelope and bring it to the place, notice what he said, where his name, where he's chosen to put his name. And so in thinking about that, get this. How many have ever read Mark chapter 16? We call that part of the Great Commission. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And so, if you go to a church where there aren't miracles and things happen in the name of Jesus, then his name must not be there very greatly. How can you see if the name of Jesus is in a church? This morning, deliverance, healings, tongue talkers, and all those things happening. Well, why is that? Because Mark 16, Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. And so we see right here, Deuteronomy 26 said, you take your tithe to the place where my name is. And so I want to make sure that if I'm a sheep, that I bring my tithe to where the name of Jesus is lifted up. To where Jesus is lifted up and signs and wonders are happening in the name of Jesus. Why is that? Well, I'm talking to you right now about this sniper training thing. I'm teaching you how to hit the bullseye. Amen. I don't want to take my tithe to a church where they say, well, we don't pray for the sick. We have a moment of silence. How's that cancer doing? Well, it's getting worse. I wonder why. Well, how's that son you've got that's addicted to dope doing? We're going to have a moment of silence. No, we're going to cast that devil out in the name of Jesus. We're going to do something to help them in the name of Jesus. Why is that? Last song we sang, there's power in that name. Amen? And so we're looking at how to present your tithe. He said, that place where I've chosen to put my name. Well, in this New Testament kingdom, the name we're talking about is not Jehovah God. It's the name of Jesus. Amen. We worship Jehovah God. But Jesus said... All authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore. Philippians chapter 2, the name's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the name that gets us to heaven. I think about it in the book of Acts. Peter said there's no, no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. And so we've got to make sure that if we're going to get maximum benefit for tithing, We tithe to our storehouse where the name of Jesus is being preached. Can I hear an amen? 
Amen. And that's because the Bible says so. And so, and so anyway, I want you to notice verse 3. He says this, And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days. And we're going to look at some more scripts on this, but, you know, we see two things. Number one, we saw in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, Here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them. And so we have a, a, a priest that you can see, a, a preacher, a pastor you can see, but also we have our spiritual priest, which is Jesus. And so Jesus is the one that receives our tithes. But he says to the priest that shall be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord our God. And remember our financial faith confession we make? Well, we're going to be talking about that more here. Thy God, that I am coming to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. And so talking about Jesus about doing some talking over our tithing, some talking over our offerings. It says, And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. That's why we bring our tithe to the altar. He says, You come to that storehouse, says you present your tithe to the priest at the altar. It says, uh, We are to be speaking and saying, verse 5 says, Thou shalt speak and say, and so we're to be speaking and saying some things to our priest. Now, I want to stop right there, take a break, hold your place. I go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. And what am I doing? I'm showing you from the Bible why we present our tithes and offerings at God's holy altar, why we do what we do, how we do it. Is this helping anybody? Said you bring it in. Says you bring it to his altar and you're doing some talking. But Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, talking about the priest of that day. And so it says this. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. He's the apostle and high priest of our profession. So Jesus is the high priest that we submit to and honor as New Testament believers. Do you see that? Well, that word profession there, if you look at the center column, is the Greek word homologia. That means confession. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. Homologia means to say the same as. So we're to say what God says about us. Jesus is the high priest of what we say. And so we're to say what God says. And, you know, I'll give you an example. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you call upon the name of the Lord, you live for him, he says you're saved, you're saved. You know, you get up in the morning time, you don't feel saved, the Bible says you're saved, you're saved. You know, how you feel has nothing to do with the Word of God. You know, I like to feel good, I like my days to be good, but if my days, days not being good, I'm still saved, I'm living for Jesus. If I don't feel good, I'm still saved, I'm living for Jesus. I'm going to say what he says, he's the apostle and high priest of my confession. If he says, by, your, by his stripes I am healed, I'm going to say I'm healed because he said so. Amen. If he says I'm forgiven, I'm going to say it because he said so. says he's the high priest of my confession. He's listening to what I'm saying so he can bring it to pass in my life. And we're talking about, when we get back to Deuteronomy 26 in a minute, says the priest is listening to your confession at the altar with your tithe. That's why we talk about talking to him when you're bringing it up here. We're going to look at that in a little more detail, but I want you to get this. Hebrews chapter 3 says Jesus is our high priest of our confession. He's hearing what we say. What's Proverbs 18, 21 say? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. 
What's Mark eleven twenty three say that Jesus said? Speak to the mountain, tell it to be removed. Have whatsoever you saith. And so Jesus is the one that's listening to our words. Jesus, book of Hebrews, talks about the present day ministry of Jesus Christ. He receives our tithes. He's a blesser of the tithe. He watches our words to hear what we're saying. He says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. And so we as believers have to know that our words are very important to Jesus. And, you know, that's why the more that we learn to speak in line with the word of God, the more that Jesus has to work with in our lives. We need to learn to speak what he says. If he says you're blessed, you're blessed. Amen. I want to say that again. If Jesus says you're blessed, you're blessed. And if it, in your life right now, it doesn't look like it's working, I'll tell you this, there's never a problem on God's end. There's never problems on your end. He said, I'm God, I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. And so God's word tells us in Ephesians 1 verse 3, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And so I just want to say it again. If you're not walking in it yet, you need to be talking it before you walk it. You're talking, then you're walking. Amen. And so as you begin to say what Jesus says about you, he's watching your words, he's bringing them to pass. But you know the bad thing about that on the negative side? There's another false Jesus out there called Satan. He's the Antichrist. He's the one watching what you're saying too on the negative side. And when you begin to talk the wrong things, then Satan's out there to bring it to pass in your life. Somebody said, Pastor, I don't know. This is getting pretty deep for me. Well, go ahead and clock out right now then. And then listen to it on the Internet next week, the rest of it. You know, if we've already lost you, then clock out for a while. Just sit there just praise the Lord. But it's real simple. The Bible says we'll have what we say. The Bible says Jesus is the one watching over what we say. And if you're talking wrong, then the devil's going to get involved with your life. And somebody said, well, I don't even believe in the devil. Well, that's why you eat your lunch every day then. <laughs> He's called the deceiver. He's called the liar. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And so we got to know this is how the whole thing works. So anyway, that's why we do a financial faith confession. But I want to look at a couple more verses in Hebrews because you've got to see how serious this is with God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hold fast to our confession. Why is that? Because we have a great high priest. He's watching our confession. If we keep our hearts right, keep our mouth right, eventually things have to change because we have a great high priest. Chapter 10, I just want you to see these in multiple places because I want you to see it's not just a passing thought from God, but it's a way of life for us on earth that God gave us to live. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21 to 23. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And so we see multiple times Jesus is our high priest in modern day Christianity. Jesus, as our high priest, receives our tithe. 
Jesus, as our high priest, watches over our words so that Jesus can bring them to pass, and he's faithful. And so we've got to get a hold of that. We want to talk right, according to the Bible, because Jesus wants to bless us. Amen. Now, let's go back to Deuteronomy 26. And we're coming in the home stretch. But I believe because we set this up this way, that you're going to see with clarity why we want to bring our tithes up to our altar. And we won't be making a confession over them. And then we're going to look at the profession here in the Old Testament over our tithes and offers and bring up why we do what we do. And I want to say this again. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm a pastor, but I'm a Bible teacher. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I diligently look at multiple scriptures. I want to build your faith up. I don't want us just to do things because, well, that's what our church does. We're little robots. We just do it because our church does it. Why do we do it? I don't know. Our church does it. I want to do it our church what God through His Holy Word says to do it our church. That's why I want to do it. And then when people talk to you about different things in life, they say, well, our church don't do it that way. Why does your church do it that way? You say, well, you do what you want to do in your church, but here's what the Bible says. And we want to do this because we see this in the Bible. Does that mean that somebody that don't bring their tithes up to the heart is not blessed? No, they're blessed. They operate where they're at. But I believe the more we get in line with what we see in the Scriptures, then the more blessed, the more we can get a hold of it. Amen? Do things God's way as fully as we can. So back to Deuteronomy 26. Verse 3 says, And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days and say unto him, I profess... Where the Hebrew here, this word profess here, that's the word declare, to make a declaration. I declare this day unto the Lord thy God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. And once again, the country we're talking about is not a physical place. It's a spiritual place. We're in the kingdom of God now. The kingdom of God, the Bible calls it the kingdom of light. When you're lost, you're in the kingdom of darkness. We've got a, we got a different spiritual father now. His name's Jesus. Amen. And say to the priest, take the basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt speak or make this declaration and say before the Lord thy God. And so as we bring our tithes and offerings to the altar, we're to make our personal profession. That's different than our confession. In our confession, we're making off that paper, off that overhead we do. We're confessing things in line with the word of God. That our personal profession, we're thanking Jesus in our own words for personal things he's done in our life. Amen. Amen. Your baby got healed this week. You're going up the altar and you said, Jesus, I want to thank you that my little son got healed. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you my little girl got healed this week. I want to thank you, Jesus, this week when my boss called me into the office, Lord. You know, they called about fear up there at the altar. I, you know, I went up there, Lord, because I had fear on me, bad fear. I couldn't sleep to my boss that I want to see you Monday morning. And I was so afraid, Jesus. That fear left me, and I had peace. And, Lord, I want to thank you. I went to my boss's office. It wasn't what I thought it was at all. I came in there. All he wanted to do was tell me what a great job I was doing for what was going on. Oh, I want to thank you, Jesus. You gave me that favor of my boss. Lord, I want to thank you that this week when my car was making that noise, I prayed over my car, but I took the mechanic. And the mechanic said, oh, that's all it is. You just got to loosen up behind the wheel. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 I shouldn't have made a joke out of that. <laughs> Couldn't resist either. But no, personal things that he did in your life, we make the general confession, but then your profession is your declaration. You're declaring up here that, Lord, I'm not forgetting it. Lord, I want to thank you that when, when, when Cindy Grove showed that about the 
missions up there by all these hungry people of the world. I want to thank you. That's not my family. Lord, I want to thank you. My family has a roof. I want to thank you. We have transportation. I want to thank you, Lord. We got a full refrigerator. We're able to help other people. Jesus, I want to thank you. And what you're doing, you're doing what the Bible says to do at his altar with your tithe. You're thanking him. And the Bible says to do that. I want to say this again. The Bible says to do that. And so we do what we do because the Bible says to do it. We make a confession. And then we make a declaration. And then verse 5 says you speak and say. And so then Moses is telling them personal things about their lives. And verse 6 says the Egyptians evil treated us, afflicted us, laid us hard bondage. We cried to the Lord our fathers and the Lord heard our voice. That's his profession back then. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And sometimes I'll say, Lord, I want to thank you that my little son David had leukemia and was crippled. Lord, you brought him out with a mighty hand. He's walking. He's talking. He's preaching. He's praising God. Oh, I want to thank you for that, Jesus. And you thank him for the great things he's done over the years. And this says signs and wonders brought us to this place and given us this land, a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, Lord, behold, I brought the first fruits of the land, your tithe, which, which thou, O Lord, has given me. And thou shalt sit it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee at thine house, thou and the Levite, the stranger that is with thee. And so, anyway, as we bring our tithes and offerings, we make our profession at the altar. And then this is how and this is why our church makes a financial faith confession and this is why we bring our tithes and offerings to the altar with thanksgiving and praise. Amen. Did that help anybody to see that? Help you to get that? That's why we do what we do. And so we want to more and more and more and more please Jesus, not only with what we do, but how we do it. Amen. Not only what, but how. That's what we want to do. So let's stand up. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for understanding from the Word of God. Amen. Well, as Joshua...